Welcome to College Football Live, presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. Happy to have you with us for another midweek edition of College Football Live. I'm Wendy Nix with Trevor Maddich and David Pollock. It's sort of an odd week in college football, and here's what I mean. It is certainly tough to bet against Las Vegas, but you have to ask, what were the odds makers thinking this week? Purdue jumped into the top 25 after dominating the number two team in the country. That was Iowa. They are a three-point underdog at home against a 500 Wisconsin team. How about this? San Diego State, also a slight underdog against Air Force. The Aztecs sit at number 22. That's their highest ranking since reaching number 19 for three weeks in 2017. I'm not done. Two more examples. Oklahoma State getting seven points against Iowa State. It's just the second time over the last 40 seasons that a top 10 team was a seven-point underdog against an unranked team. Think about that. Top 10 against an unranked team. And our last ranked underdog is Oregon. The Ducks have a 16-game win streak at home, but they are 7-7 seven and seven on the road since their home win streak began. So if you're keeping score, that is four ranked teams who find themselves underdog underdogs against teams that aren't ranked, Trevor. So clearly there are a number of ways to look at this, uh, the eye test included. So we'll do a little contender or pretender, if you will, with some of these teams, and I'll start with Oregon. Oregon, Wendy, is absolutely a contender. I mean, they lost to Stanford, yeah, but literally half of their team was injured, and the committee should pay attention to that. Now that they're getting healthy, they're starting to play better, and if they stay healthy, they can dominate down the stretch, and they will have in their back pocket something that no other team has so far, and that is the best non-conference win in college football when they went out to Columbus and beat Ohio State. So if they're able to right the ship and play better and win out, Davey, Oregon, with that Ohio State victory, has to be a contender. Uh, I disagree, big fella. We're disagreeing already. I think they're a pretender. We talk about how they've played recently. They look, they didn't look real good against Cal, bro, the last week. I've seen them struggle week in and week out. The injuries, season injury injuries have mounted for them. They just, they don't look like they're clicking on both sides of the football or really at all. I haven't seen them look great in a lot of weeks. So I think they're actually a pretender. I think they'll get tripped up this weekend. And if not, I still think they'll find a way to lose throughout the rest of the season. All right, you talked about that statement-making win, Trevor, against Ohio State. So let's look at the Buckeyes for just a minute because really for that team in particular, it's been a tale of two different seasons. Since that loss to Oregon, Ohio State has been on a tear. They lead the FBS in points per game, yards per game, and point margin per game over that span. So, David, they're playing a lot better football than we previously saw. Is Ohio State a contender or a pretender? They're a contender. Um, their offense is going to show up and show out every weekend. The reason they lost to Oregon is because their defense was atrocious. It looked atrocious versus Michigan. They made a coordinator switch. They look more organized. They're playing more zone defense than you've seen Ohio State play in the past. I like what I'm seeing from them on the defensive side of the football. They're allowed to improve. They have improved. Oregon beat them, but I still think Ohio State looks like a much better team right now. Contender. I agree that Ohio State is better. I've got them at number two, Ohio State, in my power rankings right now, and I don't have Oregon in the top five. But the defense is what to talk about when it comes to the Buckeyes. Their offense is the best in the country. But the problems they had on defense in September were very correctable. They had a bunch of new starters and a bunch of young guys filling in for injured starters. And the problem was mental errors, missed assignments. But in recent weeks, they've been much cleaner when it comes to those assignments, and you're starting to see their talent. 
And so if they continue with that, I think we can look at the Buckeyes the same way we looked at them in August before those September defensive struggles. Yeah, and I don't think, Trev, neither one of ours saying that their defense is elite because it's not, and it's not even close to being what it used to be. But if it's good, that receiving core is the best in the country, hands down, and that offensive coach hadn't changed with Ryan Day. That offense is probably, next to Georgia's defense, the most dominant side of the football in all of college football. So you agree, David, with Trevor that that's the best offense in the country? Oh, yeah. Best offense, most explosive, just playmakers galore. Stupid. All right, listen, this next team is one I've been curious about from the get-go, and it's, it's super interesting now given where they fall in the rankings. Uh, Cincinnati moved up to number two behind Georgia in the AP polls on Sunday. First time a team from outside the traditional power conferences has been ranked that high since 2010, and it came after the Bearcats received a boost from Purdue's upset of Iowa, which at that point was number two. So, you know, Cincinnati gets some help, but that may be the, the benefit and the problem here, Trevor, because they also may need some help as they play out the season, which is interesting when you consider that, at least in terms of the polls, they're the number two team in the country, contender or pretender. They are contender. They suffer from the debate of good enough versus deserve it. Deserve it has to do with schedule and what you do against that schedule. And Notre Dame really needs to keep winning in order for the committee to see Cincinnati as one who deserves it. But good enough, I think they're plenty good enough to be in the playoff right now. And last year, they proved it against Georgia in the Peach Bowl. They were ahead of Georgia with three seconds to go before Georgia kicked a 53-yard field goal to win the game. And this is a better Cincinnati team than it was last year. I think that if you lift Georgia out of the SEC and put them in the MAC, for example, they'd still be the best team in the country, but the committee might say that they don't deserve it because of schedule. Cincinnati deserves it. Poor MAC teams might not get a first down, Trevor. If you put that defense in the MAC, they might not ever, ever see a first down or the end zone. Listen, they're a contender because let's see what's happened in college football this year. Clemson, two losses. They gone. Ohio State's already got one loss. Bama's already got one loss. They're playing some tough competition coming up. So the surrounding scenario of college football and what it's been has made Cincinnati a contender. It's a perfect storm. Trev mentioned last year, they gained respect, credibility, undefeated season, great game versus Georgia. Now you come back and do it again with a, with a lot of the same cast of characters. They're absolutely a contender this season. Well, listen, I like Trevor's point about deserve being or being good enough, but I, I do have to ask Trevor if you think, you know, the powers that be, the decision makers, will see it that way as well when they go to make this decision, assuming no, they take care of what they got to do, obviously. Yeah, Wendy, assuming that, they still have a problem, and they still will need help. Because we had thought, or at least I had thought, that because there was no real dominant-looking team in the Big 12, that even an undefeated Big 12 champion wouldn't jump over Cincinnati if they're both undefeated because of the eye test. But now with Caleb Williams at quarterback at Oklahoma, if they went out, they have a chance to get dominant. And so things like that happening bring contenders back up in to compete with Cincinnati. No doubt, but Trev, it's the same old across the country as it is everywhere else. Just cheer against Bama, Cincinnati. You need Bama to lose again. If Bama lose again, that really is a good way to open the door for you if you're undefeated now and you take care of your business. Again, I think the Pac-12, there's more losing to come from Oregon. Um, the Big 12 will suit itself out a lot of really good teams, but I think they're right there in the mix because the Big Ten's going to knock each other around too. 
Well, we've said this before, but I don't know that we've said it this late in the season in quite some time. If there is a scenario or a year where one of these uh, non-big conference schools can bust in, you would think Cincinnati has put themselves in a pretty good position. They can only take care of what they can, and then we'll have to just see. Uh, speaking of Georgia, obviously they've been taking care of things from the outset. The Bulldogs remain undefeated, best defense in the country. What about the quarterback, though? Is there any kind of quarterback question starting to filter through Athens? We'll talk about that in a different situation in Happy Valley where Penn State may have a quarterback conundrum as well. The latest from Coach James Franklin. College Football Live is presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. Georgia topped number 11 Kentucky on Saturday afternoon in Athens behind a stifling performance by that Bulldogs defense. Georgia now 7-0, 5-0 in the SEC and clearly in control in the SEC East. It was defense who ruled the day, but quarterback Stetson Bennett had another solid outing for the third straight game in place of JT Daniels. Listen, th there's that saying, David, don't borrow trouble. So, I, you know, we don't want to do that. But I will ask you, when everybody's healthy, and that's not the case now, will we have a quarterback controversy in Athens? No, there's no controversy. Stetson Bennett is the quarterback. I mean, that's there, there's nothing Ooh, else to to be said. I mean, he he's super super efficient. Um, you see you see the touch on the balls. He's he's play uh, these play action passes has been absolutely brilliant. One of the best in the country. And besides that, he's an elite athlete. He can run the football too. So I, I don't think there's a debate when it comes to the quarterback spot. I think JT will come back and provide some really, really good depth. But Stetson Bennett's a baller. I know he's not the five-star shiny tool that everybody likes to see. Trev, I know you watch as much tape as anybody. The dude's efficient. He's good with the football. He's improved a lot last year with his decision-making. And he's a really good athlete. I don't know what else you want from your quarterback. You know, and he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, Davey. But I've looked up and seen him throw the ball 50 yards in the air. Right on the on a dime. I mean, that's just this is Stetson Bennett doing this. He's not supposed to be able to do that. And as long as he continues to do that, he can keep the safeties deep enough. Keep in mind what the the philosophy of Kirby Smart is when it comes to complementary football. If your defense is dominating, the job of the offense is to not mess it up. And right now, Bennett is not just not messing it up. He also is making more and more actual playmaking than he's done in the past. And so I think you've got the best of both worlds with Bennett, and there's no reason to step out of that particular success. And, and to be clear, you don't need me to tell you that defense is dominating. So if that's the game plan, you would think Georgia's in pretty good shape. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. A, a different situation for Penn State. Let's look at the Nittany Lions quarterback situation. James Franklin addressed that uh, earlier. He talked about what the situation will be. Uh, still uncertain is the bottom line. Taquan Robinson, who took over for Clifford, is the second quarter against Iowa, splitting practice reps with freshman Kristen Bayou this week. And if Clifford can't go against the Illini, either Robinson or the freshman will be making their first career start. Here's the head coach. Yeah, so we are going to split the reps between um, between Taquan and Bayou. We'll, we'll split the reps um, 
you know, uh, and like I think someone asked me that question the other day about, you know, will it be a competition? I think it's always a competition, but it's probably magnified a little bit. You know, we've looking at, looking at those guys very closely in practice and um, in the scrimmage periods and things like that. Um, so we will we'll split the, the, those reps between those two evenly and uh, make it a competition. You know what, Trevor, this is not, and you correct me if I'm wrong, this is not Georgia where you got two quality quarterbacks who can step in and get the job done, although you want one to start for now. Ouch, I mean, this Wendy. Penn State team Shots is di- – Well, I mean, it's different, though, without their starting quarterback. They are they don't have the same luxury. Am I right, Trevor? Just call That's spade exactly spade. right. Yeah, Wendy, because the Penn State offense is dependent 100% on Sean Clifford. Not just throwing the ball, not even just running, but in recognizing when to do each when plays start to break down. He's been brilliant at that this year. And he's had to be brilliant, Davey, because the Penn State rushing attack is going nowhere. Their feature back, Noah Kane's averaging three yards per carry this year. So this is really on the arm of the quarterback and really the receivers for this Penn State to have any offense at all. And listen, we saw take one. It was 17-3 to against Iowa. Iowa's a great defense. It was at Iowa. He didn't expect to play. It wasn't a good outing. Um, it was a struggle bus. So, Veyu now, what does he have? Uh, you know, him telling you they're splitting reps right now tells you that Sean Clifford's probably not going to play. Uh, but they're going to need to find somebody. And listen, like Trevor said, I don't think he can just be a pocket guy that sits back there. Like, you're going to have to have some mobility. This offensive line has struggled big time. So, You've got playmakers out wide. Like, you've got dudes to throw to, whether it be Parker um, on the outside. Obviously, you see number five on the outside just balling, maybe the best receiver in all of college football. So, I think um, when you look at this this quarterback spot, it's a work in progress, but they have to have Clifford if they're going to be a contender. Listen, you just said the same thing I did, by the way, but for once, you phrased it a little more gently. I don't know. Maybe it's our day. I know. Well, it's our day to switch roles. It's like opposite day to day. Uh, either way, you get the point. Uh, let's go to South Bend, shall we? Uh, because, again, as we rip through some of these quarterback situations, uh, this one not a huge surprise given Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly's past public support of Jack Cohn. But Kelly said on Monday that what Cohn, who's listed as the top QB on the depth chart, is the starting quarterback going forward, including Saturday's matchup against USC. Although, Uh, There's expected to be a situation where there's some shared reps here, Trevor, as well. You agree with this decision for the Irish? Well, I do. Notre Dame has all the features you need for a national championship caliber quarterback. The problem is they're split over a couple of different guys. Jack Cohn has the experience, but he's, he's less mobile than I am, I think. And Tyler Buckner is very mobile, got a cannon for an arm, but he does not have the experience. And so the right thing to do is to start Cohn and then bring Buckner in with packages, often with packages. The problem with starting Buckner before he's ready with enough of the offense in his mind is that defenses will figure out what slice of the playbook he's being given, and they'll take that away. They're better off starting Cone and letting Buckner go in at times. Well, and, and here's the thing. This is the same Penn State recipe, right, Trev? This isn't the same tape we've been watching in Notre Dame's offensive line dominating people. That's not their offensive line. They are a throw first team. Jack Cohn gives them the best chance to be able to do that. Kyron Williams has been struggling to get yards because they're not blocking very well up front. So I think a combination of these two can work, but the experience of Cohn, the ability to get the ball out of his hands quick um, and throw the football because they have to throw the football effectively. They are not like Notre Dame in the past where they could just pound you and bludgeon you. You know it's coming and you can't stop them because the offensive line is so good.
It, it's funny you say that, David. Are they having to adjust what they ask their quarterbacks to do because of some deficits in other places? I mean, you almost get the sense that they're not running the offense they'd exactly choose to run if they could. Is that accurate? Oh, 100%. They used to be two, two tight end sets, pound the football. They're two tight end sets, max protect yeah. now. Like, they, they can't keep their quarterback upright. Kyron Williams gets hit at or near the line of scrimmage as, as, most, as, as often as almost everybody in college football. So, it's definitely get the ball out, catch it, get it out quick, um, try to manufacture offense as opposed to run the ball and, and Ian Book's playmaking like it's been in the past. And, Davey, that's another reason why it would be good to have Buckner in there a lot because behind a leaky offensive line, he can escape better than Cone can. And from a running standpoint, defenses have to worry about the quarterback run when Buckner's in there. They don't have to worry about it when Cone's in there. That helps the offensive line. And one of the reasons, though, you don't start Buckner now is that if you do start him and he struggles, now you got to bench him. And that'll hurt his development. So you can maximize Buckner's capabilities by giving him a lot of reps, but not the first rep. Trevor said that dude's yeah, not that. as athletic as him. You talk about just roasting him. He said that dude doesn't move his feet as well as I <laughs> hey, do well, right now. You don't know how well I, I can move my said, feet right yeah. now, baby. I'll challenge you to a race. I, I was going to say, what he said was it's possible he might move better, but I don't know. Uh, well, I, you know what? Maybe next week we'll have a race. We'll see. We're going to get creative here on College Football right. Live. Uh, we're also not done talking about quarterback questions, I'm afraid. That's where we are, of course, in the – course of a season. Florida has now lost two of their last three and Dan Mullen may be mulling some decisions. We'll talk about that coming up. You are watching College Football Live presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. College Football Live is presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. Our Saturday night football matchup presented by Capital One, a Big Ten battle in Bloomington. Heisman hopeful C.J. Stroud and running back Travion Henderson lead the number five Buckeyes against Indiana. That's 730 Eastern on ABC and the ESPN app. One app, one tap. Some news and notes around college football. Former Washington State coach Nick Rolovich will file suit against the university for termination. Washington State fired Rolovich and four other assistant coaches Monday night after they refused to comply with a mandate that required all state employees to be vaccinated against COVID-19. South Carolina starting quarterback Luke Doty needs surgery on his injured foot. Sadly, he will miss the rest of the season. Head coach Shane Beamer says that surgery will take place this week. He will not be back until spring practice. And that means former grad assistant coach Zeb Nolan. Zeb Nolan will start for South Carolina against Texas A&M and likely for the foreseeable future. And finally, Florida coach Dan Mullen was noncommittal on naming a starting quarterback for his team. Uh, his next game, that's October 30th against Georgia. Emory Jones started at QB last Saturday but did not play down the stretch as Anthony Richardson led the offense on four straight touchdown drives in the second half, which, of course, will get folks' attention. I think what also has gotten attention is the fact that Florida's lost two of three, David, and they appear to be a little bit off the rails. Uh, what do you do at quarterback here if you're Dan Mullen? 
I think this is tough because, again, you, you have loyalty where uh, Emory Jones has stuck around for a number of years. He hasn't transferred. He's waited his opportunity. He's got it. But the passing game is not what it needs to be. Florida's running game starting to slide a little bit, too, and they don't have answers. Anthony Richardson came in the game, and, and Trev, he looked okay. I mean, the numbers were almost identical, literally almost identical. I, I think Anthony Richardson being the future AR-15, um, I think Dan Mullen might turn to him now to go against Georgia. A little element of surprise, a little bit of I can develop and maybe get better. I kind of know what Emory Jones is. Right, and if he is about the same right now as Jones, you know that Richardson's only going to get better, and that's why you go to him now. And the loyalty aspect is difficult to deal with, but Coach is also loyal to the rest of the players in that locker room, and he's got to play the best quarterback to give them the best chance to win. Right now, that's Richardson. Listen, guys, we started the show by saying there were four ranked teams who were underdogs against teams that – aren't ranked how many out of that four how what, you know you can't Vegas is almost always right at least it seems Trev uh, how many of those four who aren't favored pull it off you know something I, I think that it'll be I think it'll be one I think there's a reason those teams are favored are favored and the public has a lot to do with who's favored in terms of the or, or ranked the public has a lot to do with who's favored so did yeah, you, did you make George a stand there, or what did he so, just need some? I know he took he took a stand. Wow. We're gonna go, we're gonna go out hard here. Go dogs! I don't gamble. Uh, I just another week. I know what. Uh, Two will lose. Listen, all I know is that we won't expect it because that's been the whole season. We expect to be back tomorrow, though. Although we never know. Uh, fingers crossed. We'll see you then. Have a great day.